why do any of us not do things sooner is probably fear. I couldn't let myself let go enough to make work that was interesting to me and interesting to other people. There was a lot of anxiety and a lot of like stress that I was constantly like having to navigate through, which was hard for me, so. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living, and making great art. Let's dig into that idea together. Uh, thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age, you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash Talk. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Today we have a super special episode that we recorded live on stage at the Creative Works Conference. It was an absolute great time. The whole conference was amazing. Josh Horton, who puts that conference on down in Memphis, is just such a sweetheart. I love that guy. Love you, Josh, if you're listening. Um, He is a good dude doing amazing things for the design and illustration community. I genuinely love Creative Works because for me, when I think of Creative Works, I think about three things. I think about excellence. The speakers are the top-notch speakers. I think about uh, diversity because I know that's a core value of the conference of getting all kinds of different types of people together um, for the greater good, and that is something I really believe in. And I also think about vulnerability. I think about... Uh, I know Josh 
uh, thinks this is super important. I know that we align because we both believe that while it's important to be excellent, it's also important to be true to yourself and be open to talking about your feelings. (laughs) So I always feel like super warm and fuzzy on the way home from Creative Works, and it was such a great time. Thanks for having me out, Josh. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to say some nice things about these three guests because they are people who I just absolutely adore. First, we have Tad Carpenter. He's been on the show before. You know, I just want to say, first of all, thank you, Tad, because early in my career, you know, when I graduated 08 and, uh, you know, probably around 09, Tad was like a virtual mentor for me. He answered lots of questions, encouraged me, uh, said great things about my work, included me in one of his gallery shows. And, you know, I honestly would not be where I am now had it not been for all the kind things that he did for me early on when I was just a a young buck trying to get my feet wet in this uh, illustration and design world. And so, you know, Tad is just the sweetest person. He is hilarious. He has so much energy. He's insanely prolific. Um, And, man, I just cannot wait to see what is on the horizon for his his design studio. It's so, so fantastic. Thank you, Tad, for doing the show. Then we have Tuesday. Oh my gosh, what can I say about Tuesday? This is um, one of the the funniest people that I've ever met. And, you know, she has such a strong sense of herself, which I completely respect and look up to. And while she is super strong as a person, she's also really comfortable being vulnerable and honest about things. I completely Uh, look up to her for her ability to be herself, tap into that in her work, and as a business person, I am so inspired by all the things that Tuesday is doing. So go check her out, Tuesday Basson. Last but not least, we have Alex Medina. This guy is a complete champ, and oh my gosh, he, (laughs) he is just like one of the most friendly people I've ever met. It was an an amazing experience to get to hang out with him. He's done phenomenal work, and he he was so humble and honest. And uh, yeah, it was just a thrill to get to chat with him. And uh, I know that you're going to appreciate all of the great things that he has to say. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. You are awesome, buddy. Hope to get uh, hope to get to hang out with you again soon. All right, let's jump in. Be aware this episode features some explicit language. This next guest and this next uh, this next guest is amazing guy, super good friend. Uh, he I was introduced to him last year from Brandon Reich. They both live up in Ohio, and we had porch beers after the conference last year. It was the best thing ever. He's like a brother from another mother. He uh, has some severe uh, attention and deficit disorder stuff like I do. Uh, so, like, we finish each other's sentences, and it gets awkward. And um, But he's incredibly encouraging. And you guys, anyone here listening to the podcast? Hey, he's giving me grief from backstage. Um, 
podcast listener is awesome. He is super encouraging, right? Um, he helps me understand that I'm not alone, that there's someone out there that's just like me who's smarter than me, who's working harder than I am, and he helps me do that uh, every time I listen. So he's also here to help those of you in the room that are commercial artists uh, build a better business. So you guys have heard uh, so much from Andy. Uh, we're so happy to have him back in Memphis. Let's give him a big round of applause to Andy J. Miller. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Uh, okay, that wasn't a very encouraging intro for me. Uh, I do have ADHD. Uh, anyway, um, thanks for coming out. I feel like I've been on stage too much already, uh, but. I'm here again, so uh, I have my MFBA class here, so give them a giant round of applause. They are amazing. It has been the coolest thing ever uh, to hang out with them and eat pizza. We really did eat pizza. It was really fun. I ate, I did walk out the door with pizza. <laughs> I ate too much pizza. Um, so uh, I don't really know how to say what I want to say for the first time. And, uh, but, but wait, one thing that I do want to say is uh, thanks to anyone here that listens to the podcast. It means a lot to me and all the uh, wonderful, nice things that you've sent me. Someone sent me a box of chocolates. <laughs> wow. It was. It blew my mind. I don't know why they did that. Um, but I don't really know how else to say it other than this. And uh, let's just start with this. Feel the water flowing, feel it coming, feel it going In the river, in the rain, or in the sky One day it's an ocean, one day ice in motion One day it's a teardrop in your eye Once I wasn't here, and then I suddenly appeared And now I seem to be at home in earth and air just like water flowing, I know where I'm going. Look beneath your boots and I'll be there. It's just a dream away. You've got to leave to stay. We'll meet again someday. Just a dream away. So... So you know what I mean. Uh, uh, so uh, that song, I don't know if you caught the lyrics to it, but it's, uh, it's about him talking about it, the fact that he's going to die. And uh, it was on Fraggle Rock. And that, it was my favorite episode. I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, but he, did you see him stirring that mud? That's Mudwell the Mud Bunny. And uh, he, am I okay? Is this going? All right. Um, and <laughs> he's stirring the mud. And at some point, he says that uh, the time has come. The mud is ready. And it means that he's going to die. And uh, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not, I don't have anything serious to say about that other than um, you got to know when the mud is ready. And it <laughs> <laughs> 
That's totally unintentional. I don't mean you need to know. This is like going really weirdly. But I don't mean that you need to know when it's time to die. Because the thing is, is that he, come, he is reincarnated as, an, as another creature in the episode. And, uh, and that creature still knows the song. So anyway, the, uh, um, <laughs> this episode of the podcast is going to be about transitions. And I'm a big fan of transitions because I like new things a little bit too much. Um, like Andrew, my wife said, I'm not allowed to do any more new projects. So that's why I keep doing the podcast. Because uh, I'm not allowed to do anything else. Um, I have to stick at it. And uh, so I think it's really important uh, as a creative person and in your creative career to be aware of the moment that you're in, in the life cycle of a project, in the life cycle of the job that you're working at. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times in my life where the fruit was ripe and it was ready to harvest, ready to eat, go all in. And all I was thinking about was planting another tree. And then there were a lot of times when uh, the fruit had gone bad. It had gone bad in the bowl and I was still trying to like nibble at it, but it was like making me sick. I'm like going really deep into that analogy, but uh, (laughs) you have to know the difference between uh, the time when the fruit's ripe and you need to be focused and you need to harvest in that moment and the time that you need to be planting uh, so you're ready for the next season. And so uh, today I thought I could talk to some of my friends that have been going through big transitions and just kind of poke their heads about uh, what that looks like, how they burst through um, those big decisions, and hopefully there'll be something to take away. So, I don't know if this is true, but I might have chose this topic just so I could show you that video. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, all right. Tad, will you join me? This is going to be like a creative relay race. Uh, there he is. Okay. Hello, buddy. How are you? <laughs> There's your snacks. We have Sour Patch Kids. This episode it's is great. Uh, sponsored. Well, you know, it's like you, you're having me to your home. Yeah. I, I think it's really rude not to bring gifts. <laughs> like, to somebody. So I brought you a bunch of, a bunch of oh, snacks. Oh, thank you. Anybody else hungry? Give me some chips or anything? All right. <laughs> Woo! I brought you that one to an empty <laughs> chair. Uh, Andrew. Cheetos. Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. Starburst. Please, if you look hungry, if you guys, anybody, if you guys are hungry too, oh. <laughs> you the, the green room of creative work, you go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. We talk about death and now we eat snacks. Yeah, that's, that's usually what I do. Oh, man. I think song? Tuesday yeah. can come out now. Not really. Don't send her out. No. I was just, I was just, uh, I'm done? Sending, yeah, I think you've done enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so you just recently went through a major transition, uh, one that frightens me to hell, uh, the idea of having employees and growing and all that. Um, Before I go into that, I wanted to ask you, what's your workout routine? Starburst to mouth, Skittle to mouth. No, I don't don't, have a, yeah. For me, with um, exercise, I don't know if you guys feel this way, like, we sit so damn much, like, all the time that um, physical activity for me is, like, the greatest, like, I don't meditate or, like, do anything like that, which I would love to try to learn how, but, like, it's just, like, such a great, like, grounding 
veg, like I don't have to think about anything. I can just like go and run and sweat and like do whatever. And it puts me in such a great like mindset. Uh-huh. Um, I think like a lot of designers we run on with a lot of stress probably like trying to create something that that hasn't been done before and like something to make sure our clients are happy and excited about just the fact that like you can kind of it's like a reset button for me just to go and and do something active it doesn't have to be running it can be you know going playing a game go to the park walk around the block you know yeah i'm I'm hell walk up and down the stairs of your office i don't know you know just something to get the blood moving and focus on something else you know right um someone was asking last night talking about like you know um what do you do when you hit a creative roadblock or you know which people always ask right and for me like going and doing something entirely non-design related and maybe that's some physical activity Mm -hmm. you know um um, and i also um i love really bad food Like I like unhealthy about how un- I'm unhealthy about how much I love unhealthiness. Like you know, and like I love Skittles and like Doritos and like stuff like that. And I'm afraid if I didn't like do a little physical activity, like I, I'm gonna die like really young. Like you know, it's like I'm just injecting like barbecue sauce and gravy into my body most of the time. You know, maybe, so. maybe we should change the theme to death. <laughs> yeah. this is like the greatest pet talk ever. Oh my gosh. And so on to serious notes, are there like protein bars too that you do? And <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, we'll move on. All right. Uh, sorry. Um, could you just tell us the story? I know some people were here, a lot of you guys are probably here for his talk, um, but I wanted to hear just a little bit in more detail what it was like to start thinking about going from solo to more of a shop. Sure. And yeah, it was, it was something that my... Um, my wife and I had always kind of dreamed about. Um, I met my wife in college um, in, in art school as designers. And um, um, like all, all love stories, I was like, uh, it, I just thought she was the most beautiful thing in the world. She had zero interest in me at all. So I had to trick her into going out with me and eventually trick her into marrying me. Yeah. And again, joke's on her for the rest of her life. So, um, but um, no, we always kind of knew we wanted to do that. And um, my wife landed an amazing job right out of college. Um, working for one of her heroes, which is um, Ann Willoughby and Willoughby Design, um, who I have so much respect for. And she got to work and learn so much there. Um, I think if she wasn't working at that studio with so much prestige and with an icon like Ann, um, I think we probably would have done it a lot sooner. Mm. But Jess was learning so much, and it was just a wonderful environment. And so we knew we wanted to do that. But between me and you, Andy, um, my wife would come home at night, and I'd be like, babe, I'm freaking out. I'm drowning. Get, I need your help tonight. You know what I mean? Or yeah. it's Saturday. We got to work all day, you know? And it got to a point, and it was about a year and a half ago, um, and my wife's way more smarter than I am. Mm. Way more smarter? Is that even a good phrase? Yeah. I don't know. That was proof. That's perfect yeah. example. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, she was very much like, you know what, Tad? I'm pulling the trigger. I think it is time that um, we finally do what we've always wanted to do. Um, We can't continue to live like this where Mm. I'm working all night, you're working all night, we're working all weekends, we're neglecting, you know, life. Um, And and, and so we did, and um, which was great. And then uh, within, um, it was was a very lucky circumstance, within a month of um, her coming on board, um, we landed the largest project that either of us have ever worked on, which was the Boulevard Brewery experience that we've Mm. been designing for the past year and a half. And that never could have happened if she wouldn't have um, been willing to partner with me and and join me and then be able to start to add people to help us on our team. that project means a lot to us for a lot of different reasons, you know? And like any partnership, like my wife would 
be here saying the same thing. Like that first few months we worked together, we've been working together our, in some capacity our whole mm-hmm. life. Yeah. You know, that we've known each other. But that first couple months of being around each other as a married couple, 24 hours a day. Mm. Um, woo. Oh my gosh. That was eye opening, y'all. Like, like you're like, oh wow, did we make the right call here? <laughs> like, um, oh my goodness, you know? And like all problems in, in, in our marriage and probably most marriages, it was my fault. Like yeah. it was admittedly my it fault. Definitely it was, was like definitely my fault. Like I'm the, I'm the, I'm the squeaky wheel, you know? <laughs> like I, there's no doubt there. Yeah. But it was, it was me being, um, being weird about like, oh, what? Why is she doing that right now? That's what I normally do. You know, like why? You know, but it's like no. That's what we're a team. We're here to conquer this together. You know, of course that's why. And when you figure that out, and we finally get our legs under us. Oh my God, I'm so thankful for it, and I enjoy it so darn much to be able to share something you love to do so much with the person that you love more than anybody else. Uh-huh. Um, for us, at least, has been amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's like I feel like. Your career is always a series of transitions, probably. You yeah. know, hopefully, you have yeah. to evolve with where your work and where. Um, Do you start your getting goes. bored? I get bored really easy. Yeah, yeah me absolutely. too. Absolutely. And so that's and for me also, and I'm sure other independent designers feel this way. And I also there, there's types of work that I want to participate in and make that sometimes is hard to do as a individual designer. Yeah. And the fact that you can then now have a group of people that you can lean on and you can take on more and tackle more things and hopefully make a, you know, a bigger impact as a designer, hopefully, you mm-hmm. know, um, and that's, that's really special and that's really cool. So you said, uh, that you regret not doing it sooner a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think, what was stopping you from doing it sooner? Why do any of us not do things sooner is probably fear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we can get down to the logistics of running a business, right? You know, and it's like, oh, it was wonderful that we were able to get our insurance through my wife's company. You know what I mean? It was wonderful that you knew that paycheck was always going to be there. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So on and so forth, you know? Um, as I mentioned just a second ago, like it had a lot to do with the fact that my wife was working for Ann Willoughby, you mm. know what I mean? Who's, you know, like Milton Glaser's best friend, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, it's amazing. Like, and, and we still have a great relationship with Ann. And, and eventually, you know, to be honest, I remember Ann Willoughby gave me advice one night when we were, you know, like at her house having drinks or like whatever. And I remember her telling me a story about why she created Willoughby. And um, she, she was an illustrator on her own in the 70s as a woman and had a hard time getting loans, had a hard time um, getting an office at that time and things. And she eventually started bringing people on as her team to see if she could do greater work that Mm -hmm. way. And eventually she said, you know, I realized that I will not be able to do the type of work I want alone. You reach a peak eventually as an individual designer sometimes. And uh, to continue to do greater work, I needed to add add more people to my team. Uh-huh. And eventually, you just have to know when that time is. And I remember telling me that, and I was like, oh, man, that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, uh-huh. That's really interesting. So um, I think just being around that, that, that was a lot of reasons why. There's always hesitation. But now, um, I mean, when I first got out of college, I worked for a small design firm. And I wish I would have left a year before I left that to go out mm-hmm. on my own. Mm-hmm. I wish my wife and I would have started what we did probably a year before we did. But to me, I would always want to wait maybe a year longer than right. jump too soon and maybe fall and then, you know, not be able to do it again. You know, yeah. um, I, I'm, I, I like to be prepared. I do think like going to like breaking point with stuff like that, it usually mm-hmm. is, a, is a good call. Uh, and I know, I think one of the reasons transitions are so hard is that there's always a form of loss when you're moving to a different stage. And I think uh, it's hard to let go. I think it's easy to let go of a bad season. Right. 
it's hard to go sometimes from good to great mm-hmm. um, because you're going to lose things. And I wondered if you were afraid, what were you afraid of losing uh, from doing the solo thing to being more of a shop? Well, and like our business is, and, and I think you experience this, Andy, and I know there's a lot of you designers here that we've talked feel this way too. Like sometimes like people are coming to you um, because they want something very specific that you do and that you make, you know? Uh-huh. And still to this day, we deal with that, and I worry about that sometimes, you know? It's like, oh, like, are they coming to me because they want something like X, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But um, now we can offer you, you know, a, B, C, Y, Z also, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so that's always was like, oh my gosh, is this like a horrible like, idea? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like half of our businesses, you know, we, got, we do illustration work, we do um, lots of traditional graphic design and brand identity work, and, you know, where and how, how do we make sure that that is still seen that we do offer all of that eventually, mm. you know? And we, we're like so behind the eight ball, man. Like, like, my wife's been there like a year, we've been doing this like a year and a half. We haven't formally even announced that we're like working together. Yeah. Our new website was designed like over a year ago. Yeah. We ain't even got that thing off the page, man. Yeah. Like, you know, like we, we just started like documenting everything because it's like we got this crazy giant job and then we're just like, we've just been buried on it and like we can't share uh-huh. and, or get any of it out there and we've just kind of both thrown our hands up in the air and be like, okay, maybe next month. Okay, maybe after January. You know, was maybe. that uh, Boulevard job both like a, did it feel like a sign from the universe and like boot camp? Oh my god! Like a hundred percent. It was like it felt so good that we we never thought in a million years we would get the project. Like a little insider, you know how it worked. Like um, they uh, they came to us and um, with this idea of a project, and they'd seen a lot of the restaurant work and other interiors that we have done. And um, that's not designing a museum or an experience that one would walk through. Um, so we eventually we were hired to do like a really really intricate brainstorm exercise with their team, uh. which, like in retrospect, was like totally a, like uh, let's just see how these guys. It was like a, it was like a first date that we could have very quickly been kicked out of the cab, you know, uh, yeah. and, like you know left. Um, and it went really well. And then we signed on for the whole project after that. And it was it was an amazing boot camp. It was a lot of nights for that first like big project my wife and I got to work on of like we were up like both like in tears. You know what I mean? Just because uh-huh. like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do. I I can't design. I'm not an architect. <laughs> you know, it was just like oh, it was awful. You know. Yeah. But then eventually. It, it, it worked out and we uh-huh. figured it out and the fact that it was such a big project and it was that first really big project that my wife and I were like 100% 50-50 collaborators uh-huh. on. and of course other things were that way too but nothing of this size uh-huh. and in retrospect now I'm like I know exactly how we work together now I know exactly what works and what doesn't just based off of that uh-huh. and unbelievably thankful for that yeah and without maybe you know be comfortable with your own personal level here, but uh, were there any <laughs> were there any uh, like uh, hard struggles, like specific things that were hard to navigate in this new like collaboration? Are we were there about, moments? Like, weird relationship stuff. I don't like, want. to. Yeah. I'm not trying to. It's like, like my mom <laughs> on the other side of here. Like, <laughs> when am I going to get grandbabies? Why don't you have any children yet? Yeah, you know? I just yeah. mean. I think one of the things that happens with uh, like everybody watched your talk last night and then went home and cried. 
And uh, I think my life's that depressing. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like, well, we'll never do all of those things. That was it. Bullshit. Was like, like, no, bullshit. Raise your hand if you felt that way. No, you didn't. You're like, Tad is amazing. Podcast. Oh, one God. guy raised his hand. <laughs> no, it's not true. Uh, but I just wonder, like, you know, on the flip side, I, like what you said about coming home and feeling so uh, overbooked and just like having so much. Um, were there times, even in that big project, where you were looking at each other like, what the hell are we going to do? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's when we started trying to um, rely on some of the designers that, that um, are working with us, whether they're the part-time people or people that we can bring in on a larger scale. And um, yeah, we absolutely were overwhelmed. I don't know about you guys, still to this day, when that email comes in of a new project and you look, you're looking at that blank paper or you're looking at whatever it is, however it is you start, I am terrified every single time. Mm. Every single time. But I hope, I hope that fear never goes away. Because mm. if that fear does go away, I think I'm going to start mailing some shit in. You know yeah, what I mean? True. Like, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But the fact that, that you have, that fear is a great motivator. And I am fine with that and I am good with that. And I, I look forward to that fear, mm-hmm. you know? And this project was incredibly terrifying because we hadn't done dimensional experience based things before. And we had to figure it out. Yep. And then we started to dive into even like little, little mini architecture based things, like having to figure out little semi rooms that things could occur in. Mm. And we don't know how to do that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thankful my wife. Jessica is actually really talented and can think that way really, really, really successfully. And, um, and then we were able to then partner with an architect to help us make sure, like, you know, walls don't fall down and kill people and, like, <laughs> things like that that we obviously don't know about. Yeah. So, so, yeah, absolutely so much fear all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And that was a good example of it. Uh, do you have, the last question I have for you is, do you have any advice for people that are thinking of going from one person to hiring people or becoming a shop? I mean, I think my, and I can only speak in our relationship, but like to me with a partnership, it's, um, it's about finding somebody you trust and somebody that you really, really know will always have your back. That's important to me. Um, I even talked about it a little last night, you know, um, over, you know, early, early on in my career, um, I was partners with my best buddy, Dan Padovic with Valhalla Studios and we were doing tons and tons of posters and stuff. I partnered with him because he's one of my best friends. Uh-huh. I'm always going to have his back. He's always going to have mine. And I'm not involved in that business anymore, really. But I'm, like, always going to be kind of like a silent partner, you know? Um, He runs that shop. I'm no longer involved. But, like, let's be real, guys. He takes real good care of me and all my stuff, (laughs) man. You know what I mean? And I will always scream from the heavens on how how great he is and how important he is to me and what we do. You know? Uh That's a partnership. That was important to me. He's a good friend. The next person I'm partnering with is my wife. Like, you know what I mean? To me, finding that good fit for who it is you want to partner with making sure you've, you really know them. I mean, like, Dan and me have known each other since high school, you know? My wife and I haven't been together for 13 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I'm just, like, a little slow to the go, I guess. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I think who you partner with is so unbelievably important as, as kind of a groundwork. I think that's totally true. And knowing that you went through a transition with Dan, too. Absolutely. Being able to trust them through that. I think Absolutely. it's such a difficult thing. A creative work especially, I always find, when you're doing collaborations, it's good to know someone well enough to help each other work through the ego. Absolutely. There's so much ego when you're doing creative work and when you're really close, that can like And, and hopefully, help. I mean, to me with my friends or, you know, Dan or my wife Jessica or just other friends I do work with, you know, for fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would hope that the ego doesn't come too much yeah. into play because it's somebody I truly, truly respect and know that they're going to do great work, and know that they're going to respect me. Yep. And I was like, why would I, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, the ego thing drives me crazy. You know? I know. In the too. day, like, 
We're not curing cancer, y'all. True. Design is unbelievably <laughs> important, and yeah. it can do some amazing things for, uh, mm-hmm. for all of us. But my gosh, we are so lucky to be able to do this, and and it, it, that kind of stuff can be checked at the door. I mean, like yeah, it's, it's all kind of it's kind of weird. Ya. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, can you guys give him a round of applause? Oh yeah. Is that it, man? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank you, buddy. Tuesday. Sour patches. Let me clean up. Anybody have any trash yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so helpful. Um, do our part here for work. That's right. <laughs> Very sweet. See ya. This whole the, reception, that's crazy. <laughs> this uh, whole podcast is just like a ruse to. T- there's no microphones. We're just. I just like to, you know, get these people I'm desperate to talk to and uh, yeah, pretend like we're recording. Um, <laughs> so, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, okay. I kind of feel I'm kind of regretting starting with such like a, a downer <laughs> question. question. Yeah, but well, that's what I planned. So. Let's go. Let's, do it. Uh, Let's get this over with. When I'm, so I met you uh, in 2014 back at uh, Icon in Portland. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I felt like uh, both of us were in a really weird zone mm-hmm. for lots of different reasons. Uh, and then I, we, we met up again in, uh, this year at Icon. Mm-hmm. And you just seemed like a different person completely. Um, yeah just energy and emotionally and just everything. Uh, and I wondered if you could just describe back then when you were living in NYC, what was going on, where you were at uh, with your career and then just as a person. Sure. Well, um, I touched on this a little bit in my talk yesterday, but um, I felt so preoccupied with um, making ends meet when I lived in New York that I couldn't let myself let go enough to make work that was interesting to me and interesting to other people and making stuff that pushed the envelope in any way because I was like, if I push the envelope, I might not be able to afford rent, so I Mm. shouldn't, you know? Um, And around the time when I saw you, um, I had you know, kind of reached a breaking point in, like, early, early that year, probably around, like, March, where I was just like, I hate my boyfriend, <laughs> I hate my job, I hate the work I'm making, um, I live five feet from the Elevated Expressway, my building shakes every time a semi-truck goes by, which is not a good place, and I had visited Los Angeles, and um, just on a whim, and within, like, three hours of moving there, or visiting there, I decided I needed to move there. And um, when I had met you, I was in a transitional state. Uh, I'd just broken up with my boyfriend. And that was harder than I had imagined it would be. Um, And I, you know, had known that I needed to move away from New York and I wanted to move to LA, but um, it's it's a big leap. And I was really kind of 
gathering up the courage to do that when I saw you in Portland and I knew it was something I needed to do but it was hard for me to say confidently like yes I'm going no I don't know anywhere like anyone there no I don't know what I'm going to do but uh, this is where I need to be you know Mm -hmm. because there are so many people that were like you're not that dumb. Why are you going if you don't know anybody? I swear to God. So many people said that. And there's also... um, There's also this weird mindset in New York where when you're there, you feel like the whole world loves New York. And everything revolves around being in New York. And I felt like if I left, it would be the end of my career as I knew it. Uh Um, but around that time I decided that I just didn't care if that was the end of my career then fuck it I just like couldn't live life like that anymore and um, yeah I feel like I was kind of getting the guts to do what I needed to do when I met you Uh and I feel like uh, it seems like LA has been such a uh, a massive thing for you mm-hmm. in your career and uh, just as a person. And I wonder if you could just elaborate just for my own weird, like, universal theories, <laughs> whether you could elaborate on what uh, got you to visit there in the first place. Well, I want to hear more about these universal <laughs> theories. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> mm, mm. Uh. Well, what got me to visit there in the first place... It's really hard to move is, on from that. <laughs> yeah, is, it's like, it sounds kind of pretentious, but um, I wanted to go to this Danish punk festival. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's like the, so obscure, but yeah. I wanted to go. So, if I'm being truthful. Um, and I found some cheap tickets online and was just like, why not, you mm. know? Um, I had never been to Los Angeles before. Um, I had rarely been on the West Coast at all. Um, I grew up in Nebraska and then went to school in Minneapolis and then moved to New York. Um, And when I got to L.A., I was like, it was like within three hours of getting there that I was like, this is it. This is where I've always wanted to live. I've never felt comfortable anywhere that I've lived before. I just feel so at peace here. Like, L.A. is this, like, weird, super bougie, dirty, nasty... <laughs> She's selling paradise. it. No, but I mean, it's like... It's, L.A. is really interesting because I think that there is a place for everybody. You know, there's, like, very high-high, very low-low. And, you know, I think more than people realize, there's, like, a lot of, uh, like, enmeshment that happens there and um, yeah I think it's really interesting to just like be in the most beautiful place but it is like an urban setting and so it is like dirty and there's like trash everywhere and it's like actively being used Um, and it's just fascinating and I also feel like um, one thing that I love about Los Angeles is that it is so sprawling that there is no one predominant uh, culture or a way of doing things mm-hmm. in LA. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people get get away with stuff that maybe you couldn't get away with in other cities like manufacturing things, starting your own venue. Um, I just feel like there's a really exciting like electrical DIY buzz in the air where you're like, 
you know, you get pushed out of your space maybe, but there's always another space. Like, mm. you, there's never going to be, like, the city will never, I mean, I guess nev- never say never, but I don't think that the city could rise so high in price that it would squash out creatives, you know, because mm. it's so vast. Mm. I think that's really special. Um, so, would... First of all, can I, I just want to say something weird. Um, there, I heard this uh, theory. This isn't a question. I don't know where I'm going. Can I just share no, no, something? Just uh, all right. uh, is this a universal truth? Yeah, it's a universal truth. There was this like medieval uh, guy who his theory, his number one theory was that the most important thing in your life is that you get the right geographic location for you. And so every time I think of your story, I think he was right. Well, it's also that like... Uh, like... Uh, she just picked up on that like, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much true. Well, like the like Jewish saying, like uh, change your place, change your luck. Mm. Um, and I think that's true. Like if Dude, you're just, I like that. Yeah, yeah. no, it's true. Um, because I feel like it's so easy to get stuck in a rut if you're just in like the same place and like something's not working, mm. and so you're just like trying to accelerate out of something that's not working, but then um, you're just like making more of a hole for yourself. Or at least for me, that was true, and. Um, I feel like by physically removing myself, um, I was kind of able to just do a whole new thing and have a new mindset. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's more important to try to find uh, a place where you fit rather than trying to fit in? Um, I mean, fitting in is really overrated. Mm. I just think, you know, um, I just feel like if that's, not if you have to try so hard to fit in it's just not going to work and i don't think even if it works temporarily it, for me it never feels like like it's so hard to understand your own internal compass if you're not like paying attention to your needs or desires and i think it can be really easy to be depressed or irritable if you're not even like checking in with yourself and like understanding Mm. what you need yeah. and I feel like by attempting to fit in if that's not your vibe yeah. then it's just hard to live your life in like an honest way to yourself and I also think like uh, when if you have to change yourself uh, on like a core cellular level yeah. to achieve a particular goal you're not going to be the person that enjoys success in that goal yeah no yeah. I agree uh, okay if someone is feeling stuck creatively or in their career, what is the Tuesday advice? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's so. It's that's such a hard question because it uh, it all comes down to what you're able to do. Like mm. some people have the luxury of you know being able to like pick up and leave, and other people don't. Um, for me, I didn't even really have that luxury. I didn't have any money to move, but um, I just sold everything so I could move to like free myself up. Like any like thrift store furniture or IKEA furniture I had gotten, I just sold, and anything that didn't fit in my car, I just left. Um, so I felt like it was most important to me to just like even if I was like dead broke when I started in LA but had enough money for like my deposit and my first month rent, I was just gonna figure it out because I was tired of waiting around for other people to give me the opportunities that I wanted. 
And for me personally, that's always been how I get out of a rut. I just, I don't wait for somebody else to give me permission mm. or even maybe the most responsible way to do things. I just know in my gut but or it, you know, maybe it takes me a while, but I know I have to do something like I feel it so intensely that I'm just like, I mean, I, uh, uh, I guess I'll like pack up my Honda and like peace out and just see where this takes mm -hmm. me. Um, one of the things that, I, you know, I've worked with a lot of uh, college students and I'm always encouraging them if they don't have the responsibility of kids and a spouse and yeah. uh, a mortgage and all this and you're in your early 20s, like, I know you can do things that can put you in bad situations, but yeah. you on a regular basis took some pretty big, seemingly big risks yeah. uh, that paid off in pretty big ways and like, I don't know. I just feel like I don't even really know what the perceived risk is sometimes. Well, I'm a really big fan of positive risk taking. Like, I think, you know, there's like, you know, inherently negative risks like doing hard drugs. <laughs> and like, you know, uh, in, and like Good thing, things that don't do drugs, do move across the country. Um, no, but. Um, I think if you're moving forward with the intention of improving your life and you're taking risks that help help you achieve that, um, then I, I mean, I don't even really see the risk. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess there's always a chance you could end up homeless, but I, for most people, I don't think that's the case. There are obviously people that are homeless and yeah. they get there somehow, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just think it's important to take those risks and like not cling too tightly to like what you've been given. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you can take it upon yourself to break out of that mold a little bit. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you. Alex. I love how weird this is. <laughs> Let's give him a round of applause. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? What's up? This guy. This guy. I'm, I'm such a big fan of his work. So oh, like, no. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Golly, this is not right. Okay. Uh, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Just f catching up on my Trump Twitter. So it's been kind of crazy. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's talk about that for a while. Uh, oh, sheesh. Uh, all right. So you did a talk, and we heard a little bit about it. I wanted to see if you could just do a, a recap, but go a little bit more into the details of what it looked like for you to go from, like, an in-house guy to an in-your-own-house guy. For sure. And so my, me being at Reach was kind of unique because it was me, like for the last 10 years, me designing for my friends. Yeah. And so and my friends owned the record label. And so yeah. <laughs> I came on board as their creative director and designer and stuff like that. And so there was always that culture of just like, just 
um, independent, like we're just trying to figure it all out and stuff. And so over the last year and a half, as things began to explode, like the culture of, I mean, the, the label and just my boys just began, it began to become more corporate and just mm. more like a real record label as it should mm. be run and stuff. And so a lot more pieces were added and a lot more um, people began to um, kind of like come into the picture and a lot more stakeholders and stuff and so a lot of times like I would find myself at, with meetings with managers rather than my boys mm. and stuff like that and for me as, as somebody that was very very like just passionate and locked into that I think that was hard for me to kind of like navigate through um, as well too and, and, and then another part of it too was um, I'm from originally from New York City and I've been away from home for like six years and stuff mm. and all our families back there and especially now where we have a kid I think a lot of the, the decision making was that like how do we we're ready to transition back home. And then it got to a point where it was just like, all right, babe, I think it's time for us to kind of like transition and move and stuff like that and yeah. try to figure it all out. Yeah. Uh, and you became a creative director and you were saying that your hand wasn't on the making. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, I feel like that is a kind of a difficult situation for lots of the people in the room. Like at a certain point, the trajectory ends and, you know, within the corporate place. So, uh, that seemed like it was like a big challenge for you, but bef- go ahead. I think it was a great like learning experience in terms of figuring out who I am as a person and what I want to do. And I think mm. I was just like, hey, let me try this. I'll do this. Yeah, this role, I'll do it and stuff like that. And I think as as the as the past year began to be refined, like. I'm a designer. Like mm. I, I love being like having my hands on things and making stuff and creating. If I could sit with my laptop and just make stuff for like the rest of my life, like I'm good. Yeah. And I think I'm not a I'm not a people like I don't I'm manager. not great. Yeah, I'm not a people yeah. manager. And I think that's one of the things. Sometimes I, I began to be, be burnt out because I was put in a role. I was I was trying to be somebody that I'm not. Did and you I think figure I that out like in an like did. Was it obvious, or did it take reflection over time to figure out what yeah. was going on? I think it took. I think I took. I saw parts. I think I saw like, um, like I thought. I think like moments of that. But I think yeah. Over time, I began to uh, realize like, wait, you know what? Because everybody was always like pushed me towards that role. Like mm. Alex, you're a great leader. You can do this. You can like people look up to you and I'm stuff. But I'm like. It, it sucks the life out of me. To be, yeah. It's hard like, to just like, be there in that aspect. And I kind of like, had to navigate through that and have honest conversations about myself and stuff. And maybe I may have that, that honestly, make that role of creative director may pay more or, or at, a, at a place, but I may not get that much, mo- or that much money just being a designer mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or a principal designer. But at the end of the day, I need to, I need to be able to go home with like just in, in that t- fulfillment. Exactly. That yeah. fulfillment being intact of who I am as a person and be able to like to not carry that. Just be, I was, there was a lot of anxiety and mm-hmm. a lot of like stress that I was constantly like having to navigate through, which was hard for me. So did, yeah. what were the things that you were worried about before you jumped out? Um, Insurance. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and, not a joke, actually. <laughs> I have three children. Do you know what my insurance says? You don't want to know. I'll tell you that. Holy that, crap. I think, even like kind of like what Jason Maiden shared, like even like, man, like I won't be at the like Grammys or I won't be at this. or I, won't. A, I don't understand that one, but yeah. Yeah, just like not being in it all and stuff like that or at the studio and this or I won't be, I think Like that, is there like an ego thing of like you're going to lose out on the really cool stuff? Yeah, and I think, I mean, a part of it was my identity was so tied into mm. it all and feeling like, you know, like am I, what does life after reach records look like? Mm. And I, I've actually got like Twitter, like comments like, hey, are like you okay? Asking you that Why'd you leave? Yeah, it's like, are <laughs> like you okay? Like I'm like, 
I'm fine, like you know. But it honestly, like there was a part of that where it's just like, man, I'm, I am who I'm. Like I'm made who I am, a part of what I do, like a mm. part of a part of um, the music I make, the part of the design, who I'm affiliated with, and stuff like that, or who I'm approximated to. Stuff like, no, like I am a person of worth. I have value. Like I'm independent of whatever I do, and so mm. that's a, like it was a lot of soul searching and stuff like that. So thinking through that as well too was kind of. And were you talking to uh, your wife and other people about it at the same time? Yeah. For yeah. sure, and yeah, for sure, and it's, I mean, even with Reach, I've been talking to them for a while about it too. Mm-hmm. As well, they're because they're, they're my friends, like friends, friends, and so they they're the people I talk to. Yeah, well too. and uh, in the goal setting, the goal setting workshop, that was a weird one, but uh, it was really good, and uh, we talked a lot about detaching. Uh, you know your self worth and your ego to your goal, and it, the goal really being more about the type of work that you want to be able to do. So, what are the things that uh, enable you to have the money to do the type of work that you want to be doing? Less so about winning a Grammy, you know. Um, so, I love that. Uh, I have another question. Um, what did you learn? <laughs> Sorry. What did you learn uh, in employment that changed the way? Because you were a freelancer before. Yeah. Uh, what What did you learn in that employed role that changed the way that you're approaching self-employed this time? Yeah, I think structure was like a mm. good like a, a thing that. Um, and honestly, even though like I'm not built to be a people manager, I needed to grow in that area in terms of how do I manage projects, how do I manage like different um, things because as a freelancer, it's just like. I wake. I woke up and like just knocked stuff out and yeah. did my own. Th- like went back to bed or played. Like it was like, it was so like just freestyle kind of. And mm-hmm. it added. I mean, a lot, a lot of structure. And also, I think one of the important things for me is like I took advantage as much as possible of every relationship that I made and looked to maintain good relationships with everybody I came across with um, there. Because when you, I went freelance, those are the same people that I like hit up. Like, hey, I'm I'm freelancing now. If you need anything, let me know. Such, such and such and so. Uh, and I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> I always use the term young people. And I'm, I'm 30, so yeah, I kind of <laughs> The young people think that, uh, that, you know, have all these expectations. If you've never been out on your own as a freelancer, you have all these expectations and dreams of what that life looks like. Uh, what are some of the false expectations oh uh, that you think you, that you could share? Like, what, what do yeah. you, people think what freelancing is? What, what, what's the yeah. truth? I think, yeah, I think I was in... I, one of the things that I was like hit me face on was like people see my work. I expected people to know that my work was out there, or that job work, work was going to come in because mm. they've seen my work, in a sense. And I'm like, and I had to realize, no, there's other designers have seen your work, not clients. Right. You understand? Yeah. Like, and 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 I think I never I never prepared myself for that to be able to like to sell myself because I was designing for my friends and I was like I, opportunities were there, and so I've never really had to like, all right, like. Look what I'm like. What I'm doing. This is the work I'm doing. I prepare portfolio. All of that stuff. And so that's kind of been the past like month or so. It's just like, how do I sell myself? How do I like begin to to put myself in places where people can see my work and 
go back and, and email. I have a good friend named Joshua Reza, who's an illustrator mm. as well, too. And he was, he's been a good, like, of, of soundboard to, like, he was like, Alex, the first thing I did after I left Nike was I emailed 200, uh, 200 people and said, I'm available <laughs> to design right now. Like, yeah. let hit me up. And so I had to do that. I had to go back and do that um, as well, too. So, um, yeah. And also, like, things weren't going to just come. So how much work was going to be in the front? So I want to, like, I want to launch my apparel and my, like, my, my clothing line and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of front end work that needs to go and a lot of equity, a lot of money that you need to put into that before you can kind of like mm -hmm. just launch it. It's not like, I was like, hey, I can design something, put it up on the, on the internet and it'll sell. Yeah. Or like, no, there's, there's a lot of work and a lot of like things that go into that as well mm -hmm. too. So it's been a learning process for sure. So are you uh, feeling a lot better having been on your own, getting your hands dirty on the work again? Um, no, to be quite <laughs> honest. <laughs> That is an intro. That's a that's a good answer. No, it, it's it. yeah. been hard. It's been tough, and I mean, work has come in for sure, and like bills have been paid and, and mm. stuff like that. But I think there's there's a lot of the, on the in the freelance world for sure, especially honestly. Like this is the most like real thing. Like I look at my son, and I'm like, I need to keep providing for him. Like I mm. need to keep paying bills. I need to keep like um, bringing money in and stuff like that. And so even the even now, like talking through, like man, like. I'm looking back to get a full-time job, like mm -hmm. going back and like, get a full-time gig and stuff like that. I'm in the final stages of, of finalizing some stuff, but mm. back home in New York. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, like honestly, like I've, I was like, you know, I, I'll continue doing freelance in the in the in the, in the meantime. But I think. The way I'm wired, and just like I'm, I get very anxious, like yeah. very easily, and just yeah. overwhelmed by things and stuff. And so um, it kind of affects affects my, me creatively. Yeah. Like if 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 I'm like constantly like just stressed about things, like I don't feel like like I'm designing or like it, it messes with me. And so um, kind of navigating through that, I'm not like the typical like yeah freelance like. It's all I went good. to freelance and it's all good yeah. now. Like, nah, it's been it's been work and it's been tough, but um, trying to figure it out. And I super appreciate that honesty, as I'm sure all of you do, because um, anybody that's been out on their own knows how frightening it can be, and especially when you have a mouth to feed, yeah. it can be insane. So I really, really appreciate that. I think the question that everybody is waiting to. Uh, <laughs> I don't hear. know what this question is. <laughs> this is the surprise. Uh, who do? Which would you choose, Kendrick or Chance? Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> well, it's Dang. the pressure's on. So, and uh, I think I Chance think the rapper. Here. Which one's? <laughs> I think Chance the rapper is like Kendrick has done. Oh my gosh, Kendrick has been an important piece of like where we at now in hip hop. Mm -hmm. But Chance has been Chance was Chance has been what Kanye was for me back like back in the day and stuff like that. And it re-inspired me to make music. Inspired mm -hmm. me to say like just see like he's doing something different in the industry. Like he just put on his I could go on a rant on. Let, I, please do. <laughs> I'm having a great time. He just he just had this um his his this big show in Chicago where he yeah. brought out all these artists and one of the important things he was like I wanted to build this so that all my homeboys can have I wanted to put the show on so I can put jobs for I can create jobs for all my friends. So all his friends were running the show, running the lights, like all of, so all of that, like him, the way he thinks about his platform and his art and how can he leverage it for the benefit of other people, like hasn't been inspiring to me, like as a creative for sure. And so he's definitely thought a lot about the business side. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. That was the right answer. Thank you. I, lo <laughs> I love Kendrick too much. Uh, all right. Last thing. Do you have any advice for people that are thinking about going freelance? Yeah, I think, one of the things that um, I would I wish I would have thought more of is have a two-year plan before you jump ships and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just like, so, like stay at your job, 
have two, like I would have said like two years yeah. ago, I would have been like, you know what, in two years I'm going to quit and start preparing and start establishing those relationships or even building your clientele before you made the jump. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's important because a lot of times, like even myself, like I knew, I, although I definitely knew that I needed to make the shift, I wish I would have prepared more on the front end before I like jumped and stuff like that. So. One thing that you keep talking about that I think is super essential, especially now, is relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, we often... We, we would love the idea that it's a meritocracy and that it's all about the quality of your work and that's how your business is built. Uh, and then especially in the age of the internet. I'm only 30. I'm only 30, but I say things like the age of the internet. And, uh, uh, but I have so many the children, cyber. they've aged me. Uh, but I think that we get to that point where um, I, I meet so many students now, and I don't know if this is a new thing or not, that are so frightened about the idea of meeting people. <laughs> like going out there and building those relationships and I can tell you for sure that the most important work, the stuff that pays my bills on a regular basis, uh, all comes from people I like, they yeah. like me, we like working together. That's definitely, that's definitely true. And I think, I mean, even coming to conferences like this or even social media, leveraging Absolutely. social media. So like I, this last month, I applied to like 20 different like, like the design art director roles and stuff mm. like that. The two role, the two jobs that I'm like in the last stages of were through tw Twitter. Right. Like yeah. the VP of right. design of this place followed me on Twitter and then I jumped in those DMs and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a job, like what's up? Like, and he was like, oh yeah, I got the perfect gig for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I, after sending like 20 resumes, to the, like again, like I think, like building relationships has been a big, a big part of just being able to find work and a lot of the work that I've been able to, to do. So. I always think like good work is like the baseline. That's like the starting. For uh, sure. Yeah. yeah that I'm, gets you through the, that gets you, you through in, the yeah, door. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. Give him a round of applause. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. So good. All right. Thanks, buddy. Oh. All right. I forgot to plan a closing thing, but we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll wing it. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Thank you guys uh, so much for uh, all the support. If you don't listen to Creative Pep Talk, go check it out if you enjoyed this uh, and the Fraggle video. Uh, thank you guys so much. I will, please, one last thing. If you are, uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, please don't uh, be intimidated by me. Like, Look at my face. I look like a seven-year-old all the time. Uh, but come talk to me. Like, uh, I love talking to all you guys. So thanks, guys. What a completely lovely experience it was to hang out on stage with these people. Uh, I love these people. Thank you guys so much for doing that. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh, for making that happen. Guys, check out Creative Works next year. You're not going to regret it. I can guarantee it. It is such a good time. I had such a fantastic time doing workshops with you and hanging out with you and eating barbecue and eating burgers and pizza and having... Uh, beer and sounds like I had more fun eating and drinking than hanging out, but that's not true. Uh, I had a great time hanging and talking with you, all of you. I'm sorry to those who I talked their faces off. I have a tendency to do that. Okay. 
Thanks, guys. Stay in tune with your. I don't know where that sentence sentence is going. It was. Go, I was just trying to run with it because it sound. I was excited to see where it was going to go, but it didn't end up going anywhere. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks to our syndicate illustration age you can find the show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk thanks to yoni wolf his band y for our theme music thanks to nate utesh and his band metabari for all the other tunes we love that stuff go check it out at soundcloud.com slash metabari thank you guys so much for listening to the show i hope you enjoyed this one i will be back next week stay pepped up <laughs>